Baruchim Abayim, and welcome to Torah Talks Chazak Special Tuesday Night Program with special guest tonight. We have with us Rabbi Shastab. Welcome, Rabbi. How you doing? Baruch Hashem. Ah, thank you. Amazing. It's great to be here. Welcome to Queens, all the way from Five Towns. Yeah, it wasn't such bad traffic. Baruch. Van Wick was a little bit congested, but uh, yeah. after that, clear sail. Chazayim, amazing. Rabbi Shastab is an amazing, uh, renowned lecturer and author. And uh, Rabbi Tab, if you could tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and the great work you're involved with. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's all myself. Baruch Hashem. I am, uh, I'm Zaycha. I am very privileged and grateful to be located in the five towns. I'm not originally from the five towns. I'm not originally, uh, not originally a New Yorker. I'm, uh, I'm from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a Westerner. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I'm a Shliach. Lubavitcher Shliach. Chabad Shliach. From uh, Lubavitcher Rebbe. And, you know, I, I say to people, most of the Rebbe Shluchim were sent out from New York. They were originally in New York. They got sent, they live, lived in New York, and then they get sent out everywhere, Africa, all China, whatever. All the world. I got sent to New York. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in five towns, uh-huh. Hashem, and uh, there's a lot of work to be done there. It's an incredible community. And uh, Which one of the five towns? Well, I live in Cedarhurst, ah. but then we cater to all the five okay. towns, a lot of the five towns. In, uh, in Cedarhurst on uh, Maple Avenue right there come visit us the Rebbe's Yarte the Lubavitcher Rebbe's Yarte that's was last week Gimel Thomas that's right Gimel Thomas yeah. the Rebbe had a connection to the Rebbe himself yeah I mean uh, here's the secret I mean it's not a secret it's an open secret Lubavitcher but ev- everything that <laughs> everything people credit me with as being an original thought is something I actually took directly from the Rebbe's teachings live in person um, the Sichas, I think they call it. The Sichas, yeah. The Rebbe's transcribed and edited talks. And, you know, <laughs> there's a collection of book called Lukute Sichas, which literally means a collection of talks. This is going to was on, on, on Shabbat. Um, many of the talks are on Shabbat, not always. The, the, throughout the, the 40 years, the Rebbe would speak at different gatherings, which are called Fabrengens, a Yiddish oh. word, Fabreng, which was a gathering. I think that word is well known now. And now it's become a well known word. And the Rebbe would speak for hours, drawing from all different uh, sources, uh, from, from Kabbalah and from Halacha and uh, Gemara, and from every, just weaving it in and talking about. Subjects like current events, talking about uh, the Parsha, talk a lot about uh, Rashi and the Chumash was one uh, theme, uh, talking about Rambam, whatever it is, everything, the whole gamut of, 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 of Torah and of human experience. So at any rate, the, the, my secret is, it's all in, it's all in Lakuti Sichas, and it's the book, I, uh, I, I didn't coin this phrase, but I heard it and I, and I liked it, so I stole it. It's the book that gets smarter every time you read it. Mm. <laughs> every time you go back, you're like, oh, I missed that. I missed that. I missed that. Just for the record, Chazak with the huge strength in Queens, the Lubavitcher Rebbe is buried. In Queens. In that's Queens. right. Just, just, that's just, right. just mentioning right. Queens is a very Cambria special Heights. place. That's <laughs> right. Queens is very special. That's right. <laughs> yeah, has, a, has that status. <laughs> yeah. So, Rabbi, I know with Ernst, you're also an author of various different books. Yeah, yeah, it's one of one of my things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> author, writer. Yeah, I did a column for a while. Um, yeah, it's okay. I'm doing great things for clients for the Jewish. Try people. to try to keep busy. Yadir Torah, yeah. So tonight we're talking about chinuch, which is uh, Jewish education, yeah. child rearing, and uh, 
So Rabbi Kalb, how, how did you get into the Chinuch educational world? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Did it just happen out of nowhere? Uh, were you like pointed at from mm-hmm. Rabbi Jerebbe saying, Rabbi Kalb, you're going to be an educator or be into education? Yeah, yeah it's an interesting question. Um, so if I think about it, I, I think education is like sort of in my blood. Um, my parents are both educators. May they be well. My, 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 my father's a psychologist. My mother's a speech pathologist. I said educator is a Rebbe. And, oh, okay. It's a good question you're asking. So, um, yeah. There are all types of educators. Parents are educators. That's right. In fact, parents are the primary educators, right? Um, really, what's an educator? It's not really about what you're teaching. It's a relationship. That's how I define it. So anyone who's there to support somebody else's growth is an educator. In that sense, you know, a coach of a football team is an educator, <laughs> right? Or a, a business consultant, if they're a good one, is an educator. Um, so there's all types of different education. And of course, when we speak about chinuch, about Jewish education, the most classic paradigm for that would be someone who teaches you Torah. But uh, education takes all types of different forms. And growing up, that's what I saw. I saw that my parents were very into this idea of facilitating other people's growth. As human beings, also Jewishly. um, In Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. And, And the idea of sort of believing in human beings, believing in their potential, and that the greatest thing you could do is help somebody else maximize their potential. So this is what I grew up around. When I became a rabbi, so, you know, <laughs> I did a lot of different rabbiing in my in my rabbinical career. I've done the regular traditional pulpit rabbi stuff. I did, I did campus work. Uh, I, 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 I taught in a, in, a, in, yesh, in a yeshiva high school. Uh, I think every type you, of... You gave it all a try? Or? Yeah, I gave it all a try. <laughs> right. Um, and where... I ended up settling most is in adult education. I mean, that's my passion is Shure Torah, learning with adults, deep learning, giving classes, giving lectures, classes, traveling, lectures. and traveling. That's part of it as well. Baruch Hashem, I have the five towns of the place to hang my hat, so that's my center, and that's where I have my regular, um, my regular scheduled classes. But then also, yes, traveling, doing a lot of lectures. I think at this point I've been on every continent except for Antarctica. Wow. But if they'll call me in Antarctica... Whoever's in Antarctica, please come on. <laughs> let, let. <laughs> so I can get all seven. Yeah. So, uh, Amazing. Wow. Yeah, but regarding education, you know, I'll tell you like this. Okay, let me back up a little bit. Rewind. The world's a big place. Okay. And eventually we believe the world will become perfect. We believe Mashiach is going to come and the world will become perfect. Okay. So how do we get from here to there? <laughs> right. You look around. There's problems in the world. All right. So here's how it struck me recently. When I say recently, I mean like in the past couple of years. If you look at, look at the world and all the problems in the world, basically all problems are man-made. <laughs> people. People make the problems. Okay. And people make problems because they have problems. They say hurt people hurt people. Right, people who have been hurt, 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 hurt others. Right. So, okay, so all the problems in the world were caused by people, but all the people who cause problems are because they have problems. Now, 
I'm not saying all problems that everyone has originate in childhood, but a lot of them, and especially things that happen in your formative years when you're just figuring out about life and reality and who you are and your identity. So here's what, here's what struck me. If we could just improve parenting so that the next generation would start off with a stronger foundation in life, think about all of the human problems that would be cleared up just from that. And strategically, if we could just improve parenting, really, we could deal with perfecting the whole world. At least a lot of the work would be done just through strengthening parenting. So to answer your question, I've done everything, but I'm seeing more and more the power of strengthening parents, that the transformation of the world really begins at the level of the family unit, strengthening mothers and fathers, and their bonds with their children. And if you can do that, really, I don't think this is far-fetched to say, we can perfect the world. So you're saying it all comes within the parenting, the parents giving over to the children, the way they grow up, and that's going to have an effect on them for the, for the rest, for the of, rest their of their lives. lives. Of course, of course. I mean, I, I, think, I don't even think uh, anyone would argue that the way people are raised, the, the type of foundation they get in life, that's going to affect the trajectory of the rest of their lives. Everyone would agree to that. So, where do we have the most impact? Where do we can where do we get the most bang for our buck? In childhood and and setting up children for life, because children become adults and adults go on to influence the whole world. And so, what do you suggest to the parents that don't have the time? You know, they're time. working right. nine to five, right. five to nine, twenty-four six. Yeah. I guess we'll yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. So you're saying parenting yeah. is so important, but people yeah. have to, you know, bring parents, bring a livelihood to the house yeah. and pay the bills. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Is it okay to like, you know, uh, they're sending them to yeshivas, to, to, to Jewish day schools, they're paying tuition, right. or they have uh, babysitters? You know, is, is that acceptable? Well, to give over that responsibility. Um. Is it acceptable? To a large extent, we do um, confer that responsibility to, to others. Um, you know, the idea of public education in, in the Jewish community is actually thousands of years old. Yeshua ben Gamla is the one who said not every father was equipped to educate his child, so he started public education. Centuries before it was considered the, the no. norm Right in the rest of the world. So, of course, there's such a concept. But I'll tell you this, and I've seen this time and time again, is that ultimately, everything comes down to the parent. You can have the best tutors and the best teachers and the best therapists and the best coaches and the best everything. The world's best, you can have a staff. And actually, I've seen wealthy people who literally have a staff. They have a payroll, you know, $50,000 a month, the payroll for this kid. Wow. In addition to the full tuition they're paying at whatever private institution they're sending them to. Right? And they have everything, right? And ultimately, what makes it or breaks it, what determines whether all those experts are effective, is the problem with the parent. That's it. That's it. So, am I saying that the parent has to be everything? No. I, I don't think that's possible. But what I am saying is that when there's that relationship with the parent and the child, then that makes everything else that much more effective. It's yeah. like the famous Marshall parable of the child that says to his father, you know, how much do you get paid an hour? 
And he's like, uh, why? He's like, uh, I want to know. He's like, I get paid $50 an hour. He's like, Abba, Dad, can I borrow 30 bucks? I have 20 You know, I'll give you 50 You give me an hour of your time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, in essence, the rabbi is saying. Time yeah. from the parents, no matter how busy we are, no matter what our lives are consistent of, the parents will make it or breaks it with regards to these children. Is that accurate? Yeah, and and you know, you you tell me that that story. You remind me of another story, similar with a similar setup and a similar teaching. There was a man who had a home office. He was such a workaholic; he wouldn't stop working even at, at, at home. And his little boy came to him and he said, "Daddy, come play with me." He said, "I'm busy right now. No, oh, please come play with me." So the father wanted to push the the son off, little eight year old kid. So. He, he had magazines in his office, so he tore the cover off the magazine. And on the picture of the magazine cover, there was a picture of a world. Like, a, like they can't see it on camera, but you have a globe over there. Um, and uh, like a world map, yeah, with the countries and the continents and the oceans and the rivers and everything. So the father tore the cover off the magazine, and he sits tearing up the magazine into like little tiny pieces. And finally, it's a puzzle. Yeah, he gives it to the kids. It's a puzzle, right? Go put together the puzzle. Come back when you're done. So he figures that it'll take the kid so long that it'll buy him plenty of time to go back working. The kid runs back in five minutes later and says, Daddy, come come look, I finished the puzzle. No, it's not possible. How could you finish so quickly? He's because an eight-year-old kid. He doesn't know geography. He doesn't know what the countries look like. He doesn't know the borders. Come, come look. So he comes to the table. He sees perfectly. How did you do it so fast? Ah, so the magazine cover on the other side has the inside cover ad. So the ad had a picture of a man. So a little boy picks up the cover of the magazine, flips it around. So you see on the back, on the back of the each piece, there was a man. So he says, Daddy, I don't know what a world looks like. I'm a kid. I don't know what a world looks like. But I know what a man looks like. So what did I do? I put the man together, and the whole world came into place. Wow. So, but it, 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 it's cute, but... It's so true that you put the person together, you build the person, you build the child, one parent to one child, and this really is our most effective way of, of building a better world for, for, for the next generation. And, and, and if, like I said before, we're Jews, we believe not only the world can be better, we believe the world can and will be perfect, right? So... That's that's the agenda. Nothing less. Nothing less. It reminds you. You mentioned puzzle. There's a there's a child that comes over to his parents, and he's like, uh, "Ava, Ima, I, I I finished the puzzle in in an hour. Isn't that amazing?" They're like, "I don't understand. What's a big deal? It should take you a few minutes." He's like, "What are you talking about? The box says it takes two to three years." <laughs> <laughs> But all, <laughs> that's good. That's good. All seriousness, Rabbi, people today are struggling with a lot of uh, issues. Yeah, a lot of issues. Yeah. Which would you say, from your experience, is the greatest issue people are facing today, with regards to child rearing, with regards to parenting, whether with regards to the child himself, emotional, physical, spiritual? There's so much going on out there. So let me ask you: Do you want to know the problems of your typical parents? Jews? Yeah, answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? But from which perspective? From the, so, so the parenting side of things. From the parents' side, the biggest challenge and the biggest issue that parents are yeah. facing. Um, I think the biggest issue they're facing is one they don't even know they're facing. They misidentify the issue as being the child, because that's easy to observe. You see the child's behavior when the child doesn't behave exactly the way you want them to behave. Ah, that's the problem. My child's misbehaving. You have to look deeper than that, because everything has a cause. 
and sometimes there's a cause of a cause of a cause, right? I think the biggest problem, biggest issue, biggest challenge that parents have is connected to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, and that is the parents don't realize their own power. They're looking at the child and saying, oh, what's the child lacking? How do I go out and fill that for the child? Who do I hire? Who do I get? Or, or even they start thinking, well, what do I have to do to bribe the kid or to threaten the kid? And what they don't realize is it's their relationship. Mm. It's their relationship with the child that will make everything smooth. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the main thing is parents don't realize what they possess. You know, there's a, there, was a, there was a Jew back in Russia, Mendel Futafas, and he was in uh, Siberia. And the communists sent him to Siberia in exile. So he had a lot of colorful stories about his time in imprisonment. It was like a work camp, a gulag. And he was, a lot of the guys there were just common criminals. They weren't all like uh, political prisoners like he was. Some of them were just pickpockets and uh, you know, random, random criminals. So he, he, he had a lot of funny stories. So one of the stories he said is that somebody had a pack of cards which is contraband. You're not allowed to have a pack of cards in, in the work camp. And uh, the the guard figured out, oh, there's a pack of cards. So he wanted to catch them with the pack of cards. But every time the guard would come in, the pack of cards would disappear. And so the medal told the story years later, after he came out of Siberia, and he was, uh, he was recalling this at a Fabreng, and he was saying, so the guard came in, and he was so frustrated, he turned over the whole place he searched. He lifted up the beds, he lifted up the floorboards, he, he was looking behind the walls, and he couldn't find the cards. And finally, he said to the guys, listen, I'm going crazy. I, I have to know. I'm not going to punish you. I just need to know. Where do you hide the cards? So they say, you're not going to punish us? He says, no, I just need to know for my sanity. So one of the guys says, listen, you know why I'm here, why I'm in prison? I'm a pickpocket. That's what I used to do. I used to stand on the street corner and take people's wallets right out of their pockets. That's I know how to do that. So just like I know how to take stuff out of somebody's pocket without them feeling, I know how to put something in somebody's pocket without them feeling. When you come in to search for the cards, I put the cards in, in your, your pocket. pocket. <laughs> you tear up the whole room, and, and then when you turn to leave in frustration, take it right back out. So the Mendel said, you have to know. It's a heart of the evil inclination. He's tricky. He's smart. Where does he hide our power? Right within. where we don't look. Right within. That's right. Yeah. And that applies to everything, but especially the parent. Parenting. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. If you were to throw out like two or three tips uh, for parenting or making parenting better in today's day of age, uh, whether it's with the technology, which is something that yeah. many parents are uh, yeah. are trying to cope with, whether it's having issues with uh, you know sibling rivalry, like there's so much we could go on. With. If you would have to pick one or two things, uh, tips to, to, to strengthen our parenting, what would it be, Rabbi? You know, I'm putting you in the spot. Sorry. <laughs> you know, you cannot reduce an issue to a one-size-fits-all approach. Like, what do you do when a kid does this? What do you do when a kid does this? King Solomon was the wisest of all men. He said, it's got to be tailor-made. And, and so my question always is not, what do you do when a kid does such and such? It's, what do you do when this kid does this thing under these conditions? It's always a different answer. It's always a different answer. You have to look at the kid. You have to look, why is he doing it? And, and, and here's the thing. If you don't know, then find out. 
and by find out, I don't mean go interrogate your kid. <laughs> what I mean is your connection with your child should be strong enough that you have a sense of why he's struggling with whatever it is he's struggling with right now. A lot of parents, they don't, they, they, their children are a mystery to them. You know, there's a story, Levi Yitzchak said, I learned what love is from two drunks. He said, I went into an inn. In the old days, we used to have these inns on the side of the road. People would feed their horses. They would get a drink. Um, it was like sort of like a bar and a hotel and a, and a, and a, and a motel. All, so, in the, all in one, right. They used to call it the Kretschma. Kretschma. So the Levi Yitzchak was in a Kretschma. And he said, I learned what love is from two drunks. He said, there were two drunks, there were two Russian non-Jewish drunks, and they were they were falling all over each other in England. They were drunk, so they, you know, some people fight when they're drunk. These guys were lovey drunks. So they had their arms around each other. I love you, man, I love you. Right, right. right. so the other one, though, he got upset. He says, no, you don't love me. No, I love you. No, you don't love me. And this is what they're arguing about. <laughs> right. right. So Levi Yitzhak was listening to this. The Baal Shem Tov taught, you can, tur- you can learn from everything. From everything you see, it's Hashgokal Prophet, it's a divine providence that you even see it, so you can learn from it. So he says, I'm watching these two drunks fighting. I love you. No, you don't love me. Okay. And then he says, I hear the most profound thing. The, the second drunk says the first drunk, if you love me, then tell me what hurts me. So Levi Yitzhak said, that's what love is. Don't say, well, I, I, I do this for you, I feel that for you. No, no. Answer me one question. What hurts me? And this is what I ask parents all the time. Like, you know what keeps you up at three in the morning when you can't sleep and you're worrying. Do you know what each of your children are worrying about when they can't sleep? Well, and if you don't, so the answer is not to go interrogate them. Say, hey, what are you, I heard this guy in this podcast uh, talking. What are you worried about at night? That's not no, That's not how you do it. What you do is make time. You know, you talk about technology. Okay, there's a lot of issues there, but one of the things is it's just an easy way to connect to something. It's just an easy way, and and a lot of times, unfortunately, it's very scary today, children will find connection to random anonymous internet strangers where they feel, oh, a connection, oh, support, oh, I'm seen, I'm heard. The biggest immunity that you can grant, other than taking the proper precautions to not have those devices and, and all of that, that goes without saying, but the biggest immunity you can give your child to being desperate for looking for that kind of validation from strangers who may not have very good values, the biggest immunity you can grant your child is by giving that validation yourself so they're not going out looking for it. Hmm. And I gotta tell you, a child will always prefer a parent's validation to anyone else's validation in the world. It's only when they don't get it that they become susceptible and vulnerable for looking to looking for it everywhere else. Right. Yeah. Very, 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 very interesting. Rabbi, um, <clears throat> there is obviously raising children that are younger. Yeah. And there's the teenagers. Yeah. And then there's, if they're not married, a little bit older. Um, let's jump to the... Even ch- if they are married, because parenting never ends. Never ends. It continues. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Little children, bedtime. Bedtime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a big challenge, bedtime. I'm talking out of experience, guys. <laughs> I'm asking. Bedtime. Solutions, you know, suggestions. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> you, you know we have a tradition that the three prayers that we that we daven every day, the Shachos Min 
the morning, the afternoon, the evening, that those were established by, by the Oves, by the patriarchs. Uh, Avram Avinu, Abraham, established the morning Shachar. prayer, right? Shacharit. And uh, Yitzchak started Mincha, the afternoon mm-hmm. prayer. And Yaakov started uh, Arit, Arit, the night prayer. So uh, they said, well, why, why did uh, Yaakov start uh, Arit? Well, if you had 12 kids at home, you'd also figure out an excuse to get out of the house at night. <laughs> 12 children in the 12 tribes. I'm out. I have to go pray. There was a woman who, Leilina, she became an oval. She was in mourning, and she had to sit shiva. And in the shiva house, they have a minion there for, for a kaddish. So anyways, um, at the end of the shiva, they asked the woman, now, you know, what, 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 did you, what did you gain from shiva? So she says, well, you know, I had the minion in the house three times a day, so I found something out, and I didn't know. Um, Shachris isn't ten minutes, and Maidav isn't three hours. (laughs) 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 The ladies. uh, Yeah, but you were rooting for a lot of husbands. Yeah, yeah, the wife said, what? Maidav's not three hours? (laughs) No, you're you're right, it's two. It's two two hours. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, uh, bedtimes. So. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. It's yeah. tough. Um, we get it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But here, here's the thing. Anything that's going to be adversarial, anything that's going to be a fight, you already lost. You already lost. So if bedtimes are a fight, not the question, well, how do I win this fight? If it's a fight, <laughs> you already <laughs> lost. Yeah. Um, listen, big people are powerful. Again, parents don't realize how powerful they are. There's something called momentum. There's something called when a big person is doing something, then little people will follow that big person if they're connected, if they feel mm. bonded to that big person. So this is with bedtimes, but this is with a lot of things, like, like for instance, davening, going to, going to shul, going to synagogue and praying. Don't say to a kid, go to bed, or go daven. Say, come with me. We're going to bed. Come with me. We're going to show. Bring them with you. You're the big person. You have very strong gravity. You can pull them into your orbit. To send them, it's going to be a fight. They don't want to go. But bring them with. So that means to a certain extent we have to to arrange our lives to be in in the flow of our children's, the rhythm of of their lives. So, yeah, that does mean that we don't send kids to bed. We go to bed. And by the way, what parent has not experienced waking up at midnight in your kid's bed and saying, (laughs) I thought it was 7 (laughs) p.m.? Right? Of course, because that's how you put a kid to bed. You don't send them to bed. You bring them to bed. You you read a story. You talk with them, which is tremendous bonding time. But how about incentives with regards to parenting in general to incentivize? I'm not into it. I'm not, not into, into no, I mean, I'm not into extrinsic motivation. Um, then Amam speaks about it. You know, Maimonides talks about the fact that's how children need it to be. Um, we spoke about Lukuti Sichas, about Lubavitch It's a very interesting Sicha. Parshas Vayeda, Lukuti Sichas, Chelik Tezvav. I'm giving the source just in case anyone thinks, because it's such a radical concept, maybe people will be like, this town guy. What did he say? It's something wild. It actually, it tells a story about the Rebbe Rashab, who was the fifth Rebbe of Chabad. And when he was about five years old, he came home from school. They were, they were learning Parshas Vayeda, which literally means he revealed himself. God revealed himself to Abraham right. after his circumcision. 
So the, the Rebbe Rashab, who was the fifth Rebbe of Kabbalah, as I mentioned, he was a little kid. He came home and he said to his grandfather, he was crying and saying, Hashem revealed himself to Avram. Why doesn't Hashem reveal himself to me? Yeah. He was crying. Good question. Yeah. Great question. And so the Rebbe said basically that we're, a new, we're in a new era. There's such a concept called Nishtano Hativim. It's a real concept that nature changes. Um, we find this example with a lot of things. Um, for instance, in, in halacha, in, in the, the halachas that deal with, uh, in, in um, Eben Ezer, talking about viable uh, uh, premature births, um, it, it says very clearly that Amos says that there are births that were not viable in Talmudic times, which we see for ourselves are viable today. He says, Mishtanu Ativim, because nature changed. Or uh, elsewhere in Shulchan Aruch, it talks about things that were considered uh, dangerous, certain foods which were dangerous. To They're not dangerous. To Why? Not that it, not to say God forbid it wasn't true. It was true, and with if the circumstances would have remained the same, it, it, it would remain to be true. It, in fact, it is true. It just we have changed. The truth is the truth, but the circumstances have changed. So there is such a concept, Nishtanu Ativim, the human nature changes, and it could be a physiological nature, like your physical body, things of health, or, or like we talk about a premature child, or it could be personality type, thing, type things, like um, what motivates people. So the other says that once upon a time, it was very important, reward and punishment was a primary motivator, and that, that's what that's, uh, the Rambam writes about it. And the Rambam admits it's not ideal. There's two places in Hilchas Chova and Mishnah Torah that Rambam writes about it, and also in Pirish Mishnayas in in Sanhedrin, when it's talking about Kol Yisori Yishul Mechelit Leilum Habo. So as a Hakdama, he writes about about reward and punishment. He says it's less than ideal. Really, you should do mitzvahs for their own sake. Yeah. Okay, but with children incrementally, you um, you use different systems of incentives. At any rate, I, I encourage him to look in, in this in this sicha from the Rebbe. Um, you may have a different Masoida. I'm not trying to convince you to follow right. this. I'm just saying, this is what I'm basing myself on, is that I was saying that in our day and age, you can rely on the fact that a child wants to do the right thing for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Even though that sounds like a very lofty level, and maybe it is a lofty level, but that... Just like the Rebbe Hashab was crying, why doesn't Hashem reveal himself to me? Today, a child can want Hashem in his life more than anything else, and that if we don't see that being the case, then we as parents and educators have to look internally and ask ourselves, why is that not the case? Because really, children are capable of that. And, and, and maybe we've wired them, we've conditioned them, to associate all Yiddishkeit, all observance of Judaism, with some type of carrot or stick. And so now they're used to that, and it becomes difficult to take it away, but really, intrinsically, they don't need it. Mm. They don't need it. So, you asked me about incentives. I'm a big believer that if you're bonded with your child, 
and you can have those deep conversations with your child, and you can speak to them about the things that we deeply believe in as, as believing Jews. We, we, we have a very deep sense of a relationship with Hashem. That's something we should be transmitting to our children. You convey to your child your deep regard for your relationship with Hashem. That itself is all the motivation that you need. Amazing. Rabbi, um, there's a very uncomfortable topic of uh, something called OTD. Okay. Uh, for all those that don't understand, it's off the derech. Right. People that were from there yeah. religious and they fell on the path. Yeah. As parents of such uh, children, uh, what do you suggest to them? Uh, obviously, I'll read the Achas. Right. Uh, on, on, you know. The, and, I, and I said already, there's no one answer. Right, no one shoes. Everything How does he go, no shoes, something with the shoes. Not, not all shoes, uh, not all shoe sizes fits all. No, basically. One size fits all? Yeah, yeah, it's not a one but size not fits all. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was looking right. for. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's not one size fits all. But you wanted to say, you say something. But I think it's important I mentioned, I forgot to mention this, that the rabbi, all this were gems, and it was such amazing yeah. uh, of inspiration and, and, and insights. The rabbi has a website and an amazing parenting course for all the parents out there. It's called soulwords.org slash forward slash parenting. Soul is S-O-U-L for all those that don't know how to spell. <laughs> Words, soulwords.org slash parenting. Right. Soulwords.org is the general site and that's where all that's the That's where stuff all the shirmen are. All the shirmen, yeah. With Parsha or Shara Betochen or Tanya or whatever. Thousands of hours of, of classes and lectures on soulwords.org. All rabbi tell. And if you want to get in on my parenting course, which is by the way starting tomorrow. Oh wow! I'm a parent. It's, it's a six-week online parenting course. We do it a few times if a year. People are now watching live. They're watching the recording. They could jump in the middle, or so if you're watching this and recording, I don't recommend joining too late because it's important you keep up with the group. For all those watching live, make sure to uh, check it out right, right away. So we're starting tomorrow, which is Wednesday, right? Today's right. Tuesday. We're starting tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Uh, so I really encourage if you have, if you're able to six weeks and you're covering weeks. all of the. All These are building blocks. These okay. are big ideas, and uh, then <laughs> after you finish the six weeks. There is a way of continuing. We have a monthly chizik group, a men's group and a women's group for parenting. For graduates of the parenting course, those who took the six weeks, at this point over a thousand people have taken the six-week course. Wow. And then from that thousand, there's about a uh, hundred who have decided to continue. We have monthly, we call it chizok, it's just... To inspiration. to inspiration to strengthen to, to refresh your commitment to the principles. It's a monthly thing we get together and talk about parenting um, virtually. Obviously, it's virtual. I mean, it's all it's crazy what technology does for us. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. By the way, one of the reasons that the now there's recordings of the class, so you're not you don't have to join live. But one of the reasons that the women's class tomorrow is going to be at twelve thirty p.m. is because we had so many people joining. From Eretz Yisrael. Oh, wow. So when we had it at evening New York time, the people in Israel were like, hey, <laughs> why? we had people who would wake up at three in the morning for the Zoom. It was wow. like amazing. Talk, talk about dedication to parenting, right? But this particular time we're doing it, the women's live class is at 1230. So a little bit better for, for Europe and for the Havdafayar Tzakodesh. Yeah. Oh, but you were asking about OTD. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, because I don't want to see, seem like I'm trying to wriggle out of it, even though it's, like <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a painful topic and it's a difficult topic. But listen, I'll, I'll tell you something. It really comes down to the same stuff I'm saying about regular parenting. The most powerful tool that any parent has is themselves. That's what it, like, what does your child need? They need you. <laughs> what does your child think? They need you. So a child... You're reiterating that point. The more you're saying, the more it's like... And, and what? Think about it. If they don't have you... Who do they have? What do they have? Who do they have? They're going to go look to meet that need somewhere. Do you know where they're going to try to look? And who who are they going to open themselves up to? It's, 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 it's scary. I don't like to use scare tactics, right. but it's it's very scary. But you're reiterating the point. Think about people who for whatever reason, God forbid, are estranged from their parents and they don't have a relationship. Okay, it happens. It's very, very tragic, but it happens. A person never moves on from that. Even people who they themselves have cut their parents out, they go around with a, with a, with a wound. It's a wound that never heals because the need that a person has, it doesn't matter how old you are. You, you could be yourself a grandfather, but the need to be bonded to a parent, to your mother and your father, never, that need never goes away. That's something we keep with us for our lives. How many people do I know who are grown, they're adults, they're fathers, they're grandfathers, and their parents have passed away already? And I had a guy who told me, a very wealthy guy, very wealthy, and, and he told me, that he says, I have right now $100 million in my bank. And he does, he does. He probably you probably give me the number later. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> he says, I would give, I would push one button, I would give all of that right now, my father could come back to life for 30 seconds wow. and I could get closure with him because we had a bad relationship. So think, think about what that means. Wow. That need for a bond with a parent, it never goes away. It's so powerful. It, and, and it touches everything about you. Your self-concept, your confidence, your sense of, of, of whether or not the world is a safe place. Your and I'll tell you something more for, for, for those who are watching a show like this. I, I'm, I'm assuming people are interested in, in the Jewish religion. So I'll tell you, your relationship with your parents, what it also affects is your concept of Hashem. I've had people, Talmud Chachomim, great Torah scholars, who will tell me, I know technically the greatness of God, but emotionally I cannot relate to it because in my mind... Just like I was unworthy in my parents' eyes, that's how I, I how I feel toward Hashem. So if someone will ask me advice, I'll tell them Hashem loves you. But for me, I know I, I'm not worthy of Hashem's love, and it's all because that's what they got in their relationship with their parents. So it's it has so many effects. It it affects everything. It really affects everything. And, and another aspect of life where it affects marriage. The ability that your child has to grow up and have a healthy bond with their spouse, with, of course, that comes the from the first bond they have, which is to their parents. So before we have our minog, our custom of one final message and thought, there's another aspect of parenting that uh, I know um, our listeners and our, our followers, unfortunately, there are many uh, single parents out there. Mm-hmm. That uh, they're running, they're both either the father and the mother or the mother and the father. Right. And, uh, you know, you're saying time, you're seeing all these messages 
what chizuk, what inspiration could you give to them? Yeah. With regards, again, it's it's an uncomfortable topic, but uh, it's 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 realistic. It, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's it exists, and you have to accept that if Hashem puts you in a situation, then He has granted you the ability to not only survive that, but uh, to thrive within it. And to, yeah. And and some people unfortunately are single parents. Don't just go through the extremes. Grow through the extremes. Growth, yeah, that's right. And not that we wish it on anyone. And, and every morning when we say our morning blessings, we ask Hashem, "Do not bring us to a test." We don't ask for a test. But if somebody is given a test, and like you're talking about the test of single parenthood, I'm not minimizing the struggle. But also, I'm, I'm encouraging someone in that situation to view that as an opportunity to grow as a parent, as a human being, as, as a Jewish person, um, because of the challenges that are inherent in, a, in that situation. It, it is it is a growth experience or potential growth experience to, to step up and to be that much of a stronger parent. And by the way, I've seen single parents were much more present for their children than married parents. Yes. So, you know, like, I've seen some of the kids of the single parents, you would never tell, like, they're... Right, because wow. right, the parent was so devoted. And maybe precisely because oh, of their situation, sure. they put that much more effort. Yeah. Wow, very inspiring words, Rabbi Shai's help. So, uh, our minute, our customer, Rabbi, one final message for our broad audience. Every single word was so... Uh, Powerful, amazing, inspiring. Yeah. Final message? Yeah. Parenting, chinuch, mm-hmm. child-rearing, education. Right. So it sounds self-promotional, if I would say. My final message is go to soulwords.org slash parenting and sign up for the six-week course. Because you can't do, can can do everything in one shot. <laughs> but I agree with the rabbi. That's not my real final message. I'll give you a real final but message. But everybody should. Soulwords.org slash parenting. Yes. Yes. I, and, and God willing, I... I you do other stuff like marriage and, uh, and other topics. I, I got my hands in everything, but I'm, like I said, I'm the main focus right now is parenting. right now because I'm seeing how strategically uh, impactful it is that when you strengthen parents, it strengthens everything. It strengthens that. So yeah, I've been giving a lot of attention to parenting, really. but okay. Bottom line, a message. Here, here's a message. Here's a message. The three weeks are coming up. Yes, okay, it's the time of morning. The Sunday. It starts. Wow. And it's never a comfortable feeling. I mean, it's it's we're grieving. Yep. And the temple. temple was destroyed, and everything that that entails, and all the problems in the world really uh, are an outgrowth of the fact that the Jewish people were exiled from their home, and and Hashem's presence, the Shekhinah, was also sent into exile. So it's a time of grieving. But at the same time, there's another side of it, which is it's a time of healing and rebuilding. You know, when when you're driving, you have a, a rearview mirror, right. so you can look at your past, and that's what we're doing. We're remembering the calamities in our past. That there was a temple, and it was destroyed, and and it is a tragedy, and and we remember it every year. We don't let that fade into the distance, we remember, we, we renew our, our, our grief, that that's the rearview mirror. We, as Jews, we have that rearview mirror to, to, to make sure we don't lose sight of what's, what's behind us. We don't forget our history. We don't forget our past. 
at the same time, there's a rearview mirror, but then there's also a windshield. It's a big windshield. <laughs> a windshield much bigger than the rearview mirror. So you got to have both. You have to check your mirror, see what's behind us. But also, don't forget, there's this big windshield. We're looking forward. And where are we going? And we have to know. There's one destination. We're heading toward Mashiach. We're heading toward a perfect world. And a perfect world, what does that mean? Not just in the grand scale of things. It's such a big idea that you can't even relate to it on a, on a, on a, on a human level. A perfect world means that everyone's going to be healed, not just from the physical maladies, but from their emotional issues and, and, and relationships which are broken are going to be repaired. And all the things we're struggling with, all the things that are, that are heavy on our hearts right now, that's all going to be alleviated. It's all going, we're going we're gonna to heal from all of that. But we have to do our part. We have to do our part. And, uh, yeah, that's my final message. Amazing. Let's do our part to perfect ourselves, bring our guru. families, and bring the Gula. Because that's, that's it. Nothing of short of that. That's got to be it. That will be amazing. Wow, Rabbi Shai Taub Shlita, thank you very much for those words of inspiration, for the Chizik, for joining us in Chazak's Torah Talks every single Tuesday night. Special guests, amazing topics. Make sure to uh, send us your uh, requests. You know, Baruch Hashem, we had a, a special shout-out to uh, to uh, Shifi Kuvertzim, I believe from Lakewood, for suggesting Rabbi Shai's Taub and helping put this together. Uh, shout out to cmyomi.org. Shout out to Torah Anytime, to uh, all the podcasts and platforms that we're on. To Natan Behar, behind the camera, Rabbi Aboff, Natan A, Rahman, the whole team, Izzy. Uh, dailygiving.org, a dollar a day goes up very, very far away. Special shout out and thank you to them as well. And uh, we'll see you every single Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, with special guests, Rabbi Tal, thank you very much once again. Thank you, Rabbi. Amen. Amen.